Welcome to Equity Evolution. We are your hosts, Alexandria and Dana. We invite you to join us on a journey through the lush landscape of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Have you ever wondered how DEIB intertwines like the roots of ancient trees in making businesses successful? You're not the only one. From big concepts to intricate specifics, we've got the map to navigate you through. So nestle into your favorite spot and explore the DEIB ecosystem with us. As we navigate the world of DEIB, it's about exploring curiosity, evolving understanding, and elevating through action. Let's begin. All right, everyone. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Equity Evolution. Uh, my name is Dana, and we are going to be getting into another episode speaking and responding to a comment that we actually received from uh, one of our our previous episodes that we recorded, um, basically revolving around, in we call it the inclusion illusion. Um, and uh, Alexandra, do you want to read uh, the comment so then we can kind of break down uh, the bullets and main points of this comment and just go through the episode uh, speaking about it? Yeah, absolutely. I want to say that this comment was on our episode, Why Do DEI Programs Fail? And in that episode, we actually go through nine very common reasons why DEI often fails, um, DEI programs and uh, changes in companies fail. So we do recommend that you go and watch or listen to that episode, whether you are listening on the podcast or watching on YouTube, uh, it gives a lot of really good information. But this person, the, their comment was, they fail because they begin with an assumptive problem. There is no validation that DEI is an issue. Consequently, employees sit through lectures knowing what a waste of time they are. Here's all the proof you need. Cite an example where a company went through some consultant's DEI program and could identify specific business metrics that changed. In discussing this with a couple of CEO clients, they both had similar reactions. Absent measurable proof that there's a problem, I would never put my people through this based on an assumption. Uh, many are going to resent the implication that they are guilty. DEI is another long line of HR phrases that attempt to keep the talent industry relevant. Examples. Mm-hmm. So. I, I mean, my first response to this was like, I can't even. <laughs> I can't even. I can't even right now. I had to put my phone down and walk away. I was like, what? what is this? <laughs> well, let's let's start with this. Let's talk about assumption. Let's talk about what assumption means. This means that a company would be assuming that there's a DEI issue or a DIB issue within the organization, and then they would then put money into a DIB program. First and foremost, no company is going to assume and put money into anything that they're assuming to do to implement and invest money into anything regarding anything. <laughs> because... <laughs> Money spent is money spent, and there is no need to be wasting money in organize, in huge organizations or even small organizations at that. Mm-hmm. So let's start there. Secondly, DIB programs are not built on assumption. DIB programs are built from an organization gathering the data from their organization, which is the people of the organization, where they have understood that there needs to be some sort of DIB programming within their organization. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The other piece of this portion of the comment, there is no validation that DEI is an issue. 
that statement in and of itself, like, I don't even know where to start with how like wrong that is, I guess. And like wrong isn't even necessarily the right, the right word of what I'm looking for. Like it's saying that DEI is an issue, but it's not about DEI being an issue. It's the symptoms of what happens when a company is not prioritizing DEIB, right? So you're going to see symptoms of that in you don't have a diverse workforce when you don't have a, a culture of equity or belonging or inclusion. And so DEI being an issue is going to come out in symptoms, not Mm -hmm. DEI being the problem. It's the lack of DEI that is the problem within the organization. And that comes out with lack of innovation, that comes out with high turnover, uh, Mm -hmm. that comes in with stagnation of the company itself. So there Mm -hmm. are very much problems within organizations when they lack diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Agreed. And I also feel like the other part of this with the comment, to me, this reads of a person who is in some sort of leadership. And I've talked before about how leadership and the people that are doing the work in the organization and how far removed sometimes people can be, how leadership can be from the things that are going on in the organization. You know, you and I can be in the same um the same pillar of the organization whereas our and we could be having a conversation but we don't know that we're safe enough to go speak to the leaders to let them know all of the di issues or other issues that are going on uh in the company so how would you know that this is going on if we if we don't even feel psychologically safe to even come to you leader to tell you this is what's been happening and maybe there is a DIB issue in the organization that you have no idea about. Mm-hmm. Which I think we've talked about in other episodes is <laughs> mm-hmm. the silence itself speaks volumes. Just because right. nobody said anything to you does not mean that it's a problem. Like people not saying things is a show that there's a problem in and of itself that you just said, like there's no psychological safety in the environment. Right. That's a problem. I think that there are a lot of leaders who would push back on that and just say, oh, these younger Mm -hmm. generations are too sensitive. Like if you have a problem and you don't speak up about it, that's a you problem. But Mm -hmm. retaliation is very much a thing. People being Mm -hmm. worried that they're going to lose their jobs or that they're not going to get picked for a project or they're not going to get a raise. That's Mm -hmm. a problem. And people would choose to not say something about an issue if they're worried about any of those things. Like. Why would you? Yeah. Why, why would I risk my own well-being for something that you're not going to change because you've never showed me your willingness to change? Well, and it's those type of ideals that keep people like silent, you know, like no one wants to be the um, the whistleblower in the workplace. No one wants to be uh, the one who has to step up to the plate. We've also talked about, like like you said, retaliation. I've told my story where I worked for an organization and, and was the main one that did the DI work and didn't realize the target that I was, uh, while A, being the only uh, Black and gay male doing the work in the organization, but also, and then, uh, and all of my senior leadership is uh, white presenting. So it was, I, you know, you never really know. And retaliation is a huge issue when it comes to things like this and issues like this. Yeah, 100%. So then the next part of the comment that I want to address. So he, this person 
states, here's all the proof you need. Cite an example where a company went through some program and specific business met uh, metrics changed. Absolutely. We came with receipts. No problem. Mm -hmm. Happy to give that. Uh, so we've got research that shows that companies are 35% more likely to outperform their less diverse counterparts. That was done by McKinsey and Company. It's a very mm -hmm. prevalent and well-known company that does a lot of business research. Like that's a very reputable source of information. Uh, it also, they found that inclusive companies are more likely to attract top talent, foster innovation, and have better customer orientation. Mm -hmm. Like that's just one of them. We have a bunch of other examples that we want to share too. Yeah. And I do want to highlight this one um, about a Doolittle study found that DIB offers companies a 46% increase in competitive advantage in industry, 40% better and more accurate decision-making and 34% increase in financial performance and many other benefits. Um, and Doolittle has been one of the leading companies in DIB studies and things like that. I've They're super big and super popular. So if you don't believe the first one, the second one definitely gives you some facts for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we also have enhanced collaboration and employee retention. Any leader knows how expensive it is to replace people. But just as a reminder, if you have to replace somebody within your organization, it can cost you six to nine times more mm -hmm. their annual salary just to replace them. Like that mm -hmm. doesn't even talk about like all the other fallout that comes from having a gap in that spot being open. Cause mm -hmm. some of that is hard to measure, but it's a ripple effect within the organization, right? So mm -hmm. uh, change board actually found that diverse workplaces led to employees collaborating 57% better with their peers. That's huge. Being able to have team engagement and collaboration, you get to solutions way faster than when people are mm -hmm. siloed and doing it by themselves. People work 12% harder and are 19% more likely to stay with their organization longer. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's huge. Those are all huge numbers that have real bottom line impact on profitability. Yes. And these are, and so these, these showcase what it is and what happens when DEIB is implemented and how these companies have went in the direction to implement these things. Right. And just like one of the lines in this says, um, uh, the employees sit through lectures knowing what a waste of time they are, where, again, it is all about how your organization decides to implement your DIB programs. Microaggression trainings, anti-racism anti trainings, and cultural awareness trainings, all are great trainings. You definitely should take those trainings, but employees can take those trainings on their own. When you're implementing a DIB program within your organization, you are implementing something that is going to make everybody come together in cohesion to be able to uh, speak about issues, implement new issues, and be able to talk about these things. It does not have to be a lecture, and that, but that's also up to the organization and how in the process of how they want to implement them. So this is a very loaded statement because it's all about how the organization chooses to implement these things within the organization. Yeah, that's a really great highlight. And I appreciate you pointing that out because how companies choose to do it will mm -hmm. definitely affect the kind of impact that it has. Are mm -hmm. you choosing to do this in a performative manner where you're like, okay, we put up our pride flag and- right. 
we put up Black Lives Matter for Juneteenth and we said happy right. Juneteenth on our internet page. Uh, right. And then we addressed, you know, uh, Chicano Heritage Month, for example, like, was it that? Was it that mm -hmm. performance? We had people come in for, you know, lunch and learns and they just spoke about things, but there was no systemic change within the organization. There was no pay equity that happened. There was no equal access or equitable access to mentorship or training or promotions or changes in policies and procedures. If there's no systemic change within the organization, then yes, there's no not going to be any sort of measurable effects for the bottom line in the company because nothing changed. Right. You were performative. Right. Right. And that goes right into the piece that we're that where it says many are going to resent the implication they are guilty. Well, let me tell you just plain and simple. If you're guilty of something, then that means you are guilty. That means that you have probably done something to either offend or have said something out of line to one of your employees or have done something out of line. Um, people who are guilty will always feel guilty and can resent anybody that made them feel guilty because they are guilty. <laughs> there is if the shoe doesn't fit why are you putting it on come on like you're you're choosing to put that on so like there's information in there yes yeah why are you feeling guilty like let's talk about that if your response to somebody sharing with you that they are experiencing microaggressions, they are experiencing barriers to equity and your immediate response is well I didn't do that like mm -hmm. Why? Yeah. Where is that yep. coming from? Because that is that that's where the personal work starts. Mm -hmm. If you are having big emotional reactions to somebody else sharing their experience in the world, and it isn't empathy and oh my gosh, how do we change this? Because that shouldn't be true for anyone. Mm -hmm. That's where it starts. That's what yeah. that's what you got to start to unpack and unlearn. That's your your first indication that there's some work to be done. Agreed. Um, do we want to get into this last line? Uh, yeah, we can. I also actually want to, before we get into that last line, because that, that one is a, a doozy in and of itself, um, the, you know, the whole, like, I've discussed this with other CEOs, similar reactions, absent measurable proof that there's a problem. Again, we already talked about the measurable proof that there's a problem. It's very clear measurable proof when there's a problem. Like, do you have a diversity issue within your company that is measurable through who is in your company? What demographics currently make up your company? And do they match the demographics of the country as a whole? Because mm -hmm. if they don't, like, then that's quote unquote, a diversity problem right? Mm -hmm. You have an equity problem. Do you have people who are being promoted and paid at a disproportionate or unequitable rate in comparison to their peers? And mm -hmm. is it demographically based? Do you see a very clear pattern to where women get promoted a third of the percentage that men, white men are being promoted? Like that tells mm -hmm. you where your measurable equity problem actually is. Uh, but talking about, he also wanted more examples of companies who have tried a thing and it had a measurable impact on the company. And two that stand out to me are a Walmart example, which I'm not going to lie, makes me shudder a little bit. They are not my favorite company. Mm -mm. Uh, and indeed, so the Walmart <laughs> example, 
Uh, Walmart implemented an initiative to improve social mobility for their employees. Uh, they did it through free education and upskilling. Uh, they were specifically targeting the frontline workers, which a significant amount of their frontline workers identify as Black, Hispanic, or Latino, or Latine. Uh, who were not moving into higher paying roles within the company. So they saw that there was inequitable promotions occurring. Uh, the mm -hmm. impact of the initiative when they actually rolled this out was 20% higher rate of retention among program participants. So the 20% more people who participated in this program actually stayed with Walmart, saving Walmart money on having to rehire for those positions and an 87.5% higher likelihood of promotion for uh, Black program participants compared to non-participants. 87.5% more. That is, those two things, 20% higher retention and 87.5% more likely to get promoted based on this program alone. Those are very measurable things and have huge impacts to the bottom line and profitability of the company. So even if you don't want to do it for human reasons, because it's the right thing to do and we're all here together, there's profit on the line. Yes. And and then Indeed, Indeed conducted a DEI training that resulted in 100% of participants showing improvement in building higher trust relationships with their direct reports. So this goes to that psychological safety that we continue to talk about, with 52% showing significant to excep exceptional improvement. Furthermore, 95% of participants were more likely to recommend Indeed as an inclusive place to work. The business impact of this training included a reduction in turnover of 2.9% in managers within the 90, in 90 days post-training and nine managers being promoted. Uh, the analysts and results of the turnover and performance were monetized, resulting in a benefit of over $10,419 per part participant and final ROI of 699%. That is a huge, <laughs> that is a huge, huge, huge number. Um, and again, this talks about, this more speaks to that safety, right? The employee safety building the relationships of manager versus the employee or leadership and the people of the organization and how important it is to, you know, those lectures that you speak of. Um, I guarantee you that they weren't just sitting in lectures. They made it a way for their employees to be able to come and not feel like they're just being talked at about DIB issues uh, in a room. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Uh, and so like this last line, and then after this last line, we'll get into what happens if you're somebody who comes against thinking like this and like, how can you process through that? How can you help somebody who's in this mind frame? Because to me, this is a mind frame and this is a conversation that can be had and explored together. And there's some shifting and learning that can be done on both sides, but, uh, the, the last statement here, DEI is another in the long line of HR phrases that attempt to keep the talent industry relevant. And the, the talent industry should be relevant. I mean, it sounds like he wants the talent industry just to disappear here. Um, when the talent industry is who gives you your talent. Um, there was there was nobody, I'm pretty sure this person wasn't the one doing the hiring for the roles that were open. Pretty sure it was his talent uh, folks that works for the organization. So 
I'm I'm wondering if they would read this line, would they feel very safe or feel like he understands the work that they do every day, speaking to hundreds and hundreds and these days thousands of applicants that are looking for roles to be in, which is only for the talent team to do. Um, so, but the talent team needs to be relevant and HR needs to be relevant because just as much as HR is for the people, HR is for your company and quite frankly saves this person's ass at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, to imply that you don't need the talent industry or that the talent industry like is just trying to be relevant, how do you get people without mm -hmm. the talent industry? How do you keep people without the talent industry? Attracting people and retaining people, they're vital to business function. The CEOs, the 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 C-suite as a whole, you don't have time to be hiring mm -hmm. everybody, depending on the size of your organization. Mm -hmm. That's just not feasible. So like, I don't quite understand the animosity towards talent industry or HR. Maybe he's had some, this person, that's an assumption. Maybe this person has had some bad experiences and like, that's most unfortunate, but to just generalize it as the talent industry as a whole, I think is is a problem. So, you know, what do you do? You know, you and I hear this kind of stuff all the time. People can go look at our other videos and on our TikTok, like people are making comments like this all the time. So like, this is very prevalent that out in the wild, this is what people are hearing and seeing. So how do we overcome this? Like, how do we go from this inclusion illusion to understanding what all of it actually means and the real impacts for people? Right. I think I'm very much so whenever I hear like negative comments or um, people ask those type of uh, pushback questions, I'm very much a, hmm, tell me more. Why do you, why do you feel that way? Mm -hmm. And as soon as I hear the, well, in the stuttering, I'm like, mm-hmm. It's just those, that response that lets me know that it's not about you being against DIB programs. It's not about you not thinking that it's going to work. It's about you, it's about you feeling like whatever guilt or whatever something that has happened being, that's going to come to surface while this is being done. Mm -hmm. um, whether that's your anti-bias or whether that's your, uh, your unwillingness to understand that there's other people and other backgrounds and other opinions within the company, and you want yours to be number one and the only one, um, you are not an alien superstar. So you are going to have to just deal with it there's other thoughts and opinions that needs to be included in this organization and how it's run and built. Mm -hmm. um, so I, whenever those things happen, I always question and ask more questions. So then I can get an understanding of why they feel that way. And, and then politely unpack that, you know, I, I think that it's a, it would be unfair not for me to empathize in a way with people who have these ideas and who have these thoughts um, because I, I I will ask more questions and I really want to understand why you feel that way, but also understand that with you having those thoughts, I have minds too. So we're going to have a clear discussion on why you're, what you're saying is not going to work 
for whatever it is you're trying to build. And not that I'm what I'm saying is going to work, but there has to be a clear partnership and then there has to be a middle ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that what it sounds like you're saying is like in <clears throat> I don't know what just happened there. Inviting an open dialogue is what's important there, right? So encouraging the open discussion. And admittedly, like this can be really hard to facilitate an open conversation. Like these are difficult conversations and skills to navigate difficult conversations are, they're not prevalently taught. Like these are not things that we're taught in school unless you specifically choose a career path that teaches you how to do those things, right? So for example, my original training as a therapist, going through all kinds of, you know, clinical psychology classes and actually working with people and learning how to ask questions and listen deeply and being in that mind space. But most people in professional organizations, you haven't done that and you don't know what you're doing, right? So, you know, pausing, kind of removing yourself and your own Mm -hmm. ego from the conversation, easier said than done. This is what we're working towards, right? And getting curious, like you said, tell me more about that. And then Mm -hmm. really listening, what are they telling you? And then you can start to use some negotiation skills and tactics Mm -hmm. as well, mirroring and labeling the things that you're hearing from them, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, tell me more about that. Well, I've never seen a DEI program that was successful or work. It just ends up making people more angry. Right. Mm, you've never seen a successful DEI program, right? And then Which that's why it makes people more angry. <laughs> yeah, right. There was a reason it wasn't <laughs> successful. But if you ask them to tell you more about what DEI programs they have experienced, like let's, mm-hmm. yeah, it sounds like that wasn't an effective program. Let's talk about what happened there. And Mm -hmm. really picking those things apart. And a lot of it is people just need to hear their own thoughts back to them because Mm -hmm. when they're reflected back, they realize, oh, that's not actually what I think or what I feel, or Mm -hmm. I don't have any basis for thinking and feeling that. And you can start to get people to adjust and to shift because they're thinking more deeply about it. Yep. 100% I agree with that. Um, You know... I think like we always say, it just boils down to the um, flexibility and the open conversations and trying to create some sort of understanding. Uh, it's it's not easy and it definitely wouldn't be an easy process. So, but. Yeah. yeah, it's not easy. And I think that that's a thing that stops people a lot of times from engaging in this work is the fear of how hard it is, the fear of having to give something up, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's sometimes where that guilt and the resistance to change comes from as well as the, the fear of, I have to now admit wrongness. And that could not be the possibly anything worse than that in the whole world, but it's not about that, right? Like we're not trying to assign blame. We're not trying to assign guilt. That's not what this is about. It is about creating awareness because for people to be like, well, I've never seen racism. Mm okay, I'm going to say that that's valid. You feel that you have never seen racism. That doesn't mean that racism doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that racism doesn't happen to people. Mm -hmm. Just because you haven't experienced it or you haven't witnessed it happening does not mean it hasn't occurred. So to be in this moment of, if I haven't seen it, it didn't happen or it doesn't happen, that's literally impossible. And so why would you stake your entire repu- like um, reputation, excuse me, 
on that. Like, just because you haven't seen something doesn't make it not true. Like I've never seen a grizzly bear in the wild, but I think they're real. Like it's kind of the same concept. And so getting people to pause and slow down and think a little bit more deeply, I think is one of the keys here because the world keeps us moving at breakneck speed all the time. It's really hard to pause and think more deeply about something and just, just question a little bit more. Yeah. 100% I agree. Um, thank you to the commenter. Uh, mm-hmm. This was great. Um, you know, I, I think this made for a great conversation and I think it was fantastic. Um, I also think it gave us the opportunity to to dive deeper into um, the episodes that we've put out already and to have more of a in-depth conversation and to kind of see for the people to hear and see in action how we go about um, dismantling these thoughts or ideals or giving the facts and the information to back up what we're saying. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I appreciate this person commenting as well, because it is, it's, it's a thought that other people are having and it's worth us discussing because yeah. it's important for people to yeah. understand that all of this matters and it's yeah. all about just making the world a better place for everybody. Cause we all deserve that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with the climate that we're in, where it comes to DI in the workplace and HR, I think that, you know, these are the thoughts that people are having with the massive layoffs in those sectors, in TA, in HR, in DI, um, you know, we're getting the brunt of the layoffs because people feel like this. Mm-hmm. So I think that this was a great conversation to have. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, understand that if you're going to come for us and we didn't send for you, we're going to have to let you know. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, absolutely. I think this was a beautiful episode. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Uh, make sure you all join us next week for another episode. We are getting close to the end of the year, uh, which we have a few more episodes and then our end of the year will be a recap of things that we hope that you learned over the journey of this season. Uh, so I look forward to seeing you next episode. Bye. Bye. As the sun sets on another episode of Equity Evolution, remember that we all play a crucial role in our global economic ecosystem, no matter how big or small. Are you still curious about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging? Join us next time as we explore another question about DEIB, or you can go to our website, the-disruptors.us, for more resources. Until our paths cross again, keep questioning, growing, and championing the harmony of equity and belonging. If you found this episode helpful, please rate and subscribe so that we can reach others who need help too.